The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. When you start something new or take a path outside the box like holistic counseling, a lot of self-doubt can creep in. I know it did with me. But my guest today is such an inspiration, and she's here to address that. And she has a great holistic journey to share with you. Her name is Carrie Nola. She's often referred to as the queen of abundance or the shadow mama by her clients. Carrie's superpower is illuminating your gifts by helping you upgrade your energy and weave your soul with a line structure. After a decade of growing a prosperous practice as a licensed holistic psychotherapist, she retired and expanded her work into the realms of best-selling author, podcaster, and founder of the Sacred Soul Circle for Healing Entrepreneurs. Today, she has a global practice mentoring healers as they transmute the energies of fear and doubt into confidence, clarity, and skills to joyfully and abundantly serve. Welcome back to the podcast, Carrie. Hey, Chris. So great to be here. I say welcome back because you're on my other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was. Nothing left to give. (laughs) So yeah, this is new for this podcast. But but I'm so glad it was just as I read through again on your bio, I was like, man, this this is perfect for this topic. You are just perfect. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I received that. I'm excited to dive in. I know. But before we do that, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work? Absolutely. So I'm in the second season or the second act of my work. I started as a licensed psychotherapist working very holistically with complex trauma and dissociation, had a practice for a little over a decade in Florida and started with a very traditionally focused practice, traditional training in grad school and quickly found that my heart really expanded and led me to working beyond the more traditional perspectives. And we can get into those different pieces. But Mm -hmm. I often found that I didn't know where to look for support around that. That's why I was so excited (laughs) when you were launching this show, because I think (laughs) there are so many of us that want to do things outside of the box. And absolutely. Yeah. And I think working out, you know, the basic training that we get is amazing and it's a great foundation, but then it's like where we go from there and how do we let all parts of ourselves play as we practice and serve is, is so important. So that was a big piece of my journey. And then I just felt this call to help other therapists and healers to grow their own journey and to do it in a way that was authentic to them. And so this second act that I've been in since 2017 now is mentoring, offering intuitive and holistic mentorship for therapists as they grow their practices, working on the internal journey and the way that we see ourselves and the way that we interact with the field and with our purpose in order to really welcome abundance and allow ourselves to serve without burnout. Well, I think you're such a role model too, that of how people can 
move from regular private practice, which there's nothing wrong with that. But at this podcast, of course, we talk about holistic strategies. And if we want to transform into something else, I think that you're a great person that we can look to as a guide for that. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. So I, I know I had mentioned in my questionnaire I sent you about holistic strategies or techniques you use as part of your daily practice. So would you be willing to share some of that? Because I know you had a lot of good, a lot of good things you do every day. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, morning and nighttime are such sacred times of the day to really prepare us for the day and then in the nighttime, we can really take our intentions into our unconscious and into the dream space. So for me, holistically, my mornings start with meditation or prayer, something that's quiet. I'm trying, I don't always do it every day, but I'm trying to not pick up my phone for at least yes. 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the world won't stop, Carrie, if you don't Absolutely. pick up your phone. <laughs> it's like, what could possibly be there? So, so far, so good. Nothing, the world hasn't ended with me not picking up my phone in the first hour of waking. So that's been a real practice of letting my conscious really being mindful of what I introduce to my consciousness when I first wake up. And I find being quiet, going into some intention setting, really, how do I want to feel today? What are my intentions and desires for the day? And how can I really show up in order to create and be a match for that kind of experience and energy. You know, we can't control all of the external factors. And yet, in a way, we do have influence over our experience through the energy that we intend and bring to the process. So after some meditation, prayer, quiet time, I typically do something physical to get the energy moving in my body. So sometimes that's something slower like yoga or stretching. Sometimes that's a little bit more fast moving like dance or high intensity interval training, getting out for a walk in nature, going to the beach. I'm usually diffusing some essential oils during that process. I, I think our senses are such an important part of holistic living. So oh, I agree, totally. What are we smelling? What are we seeing? What are we like feeling? So I love soft things. You know, I meditate on a really soft cushion or blanket and I'm just mindful of the environment. And then there's usually something beyond the movement, something physical in terms of what I put in my body. So I usually start my day with some warm lemon water, an herbal tea, bone broth, something that kind of from the inside out begins to support my system as it wakes up and starts the day. That sounds wonderful. You have a great routine now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's I'm why very... I, I was laughing when I read your response because most people would be like, oh, I just meditate. But you you had like this whole long list. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty luxurious with my morning practices. Now, mind you, I, I'm not a mama. So I know that these right. get altered yeah. depending, you know, on what our day looks like. And of course, uh, mm -hmm. and they don't have to take forever. I mean, sometimes it's literally like, you know, two minutes of setting an intention, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. sharing my gratitude and hopping out of bed and getting going. But I try to create some spaciousness in my morning. I just find I'm a better human being Me uh, too. when I do that. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought, that, brought up the phone too, because I, I talked to clients about this and other therapists that if you have your phone in your bedroom with you and that's the first thing you look into, that's what you're plugging into. And that's going to affect your energy, your emotions, but if you're plugging into a calm routine like you do, and I do as well, I mean, that's going to set the pace for the whole day. Absolutely. And we can't underestimate the power of that. Like I think 
it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But it really, I just find I've done experiments and I'm literally a I know. human being. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can't emphasize that enough either. Uh, but you said the evening. So do you do something different in the evening too? I do. Um, before bed, I'm really mindful of, you know, slowing down, turning down the lighting. Sometimes I wear my blue blocker glasses if I'm doing anything on the screen, but I, I turn down the lights and I really just prepare my system because sometimes I have trouble sleeping and I'm like, well, no wonder. I mean, I was just going and then I just expected my body to like calm just down stop. and <laughs> shut off. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, it doesn't really work like that. So yeah, I'm really mindful of like lighting and also sound. So I usually put on some slower like music in the evening time and maybe read. I also am really aware of like unfinished business emotionally um, and mentally. And I, I write down things that are either unfinished tasks on my to-do list or maybe unfinished business in terms of like conversations or emotions that didn't get resolved. And I either spend a couple minutes seeing if I can bring that to resolution or I, I write it down so that I don't have to like carry it into my sleep space. Oh, and that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Like I call it my brain dump. I actually uh, wrote a book on sleep, 44 holistic tips for peaceful sleep. And there's a lot of things in there about like unburdening ourselves before bed. And that's one of my practices in terms of that brain dump before sleep. And then also setting an intention. If there's anything I want to resolve in my subconscious during my sleep, I will say like, you know, show me what I need to see about this project or about this relationship or about this worry that I have. And then I just let, you know, my subconscious play with that at night. And oh, very cool. Interesting in the morning to be like, oh, I have clarity on this. And sometimes I'm still unresolved. But a lot of times there is like a nugget of wisdom that feels accessible in a way that it wasn't the day before. That's a great idea too. See, you're already full of all these great tips. Aww, <laughs> and we I'm just glad. got started. I love it. But getting moving on to the self-doubt, because I know a lot of listeners feel that when they're starting holistic strategies, because I think there is some stigma with that, that some people think it's too out there or that, you know, we're licensed therapists, we shouldn't be doing essential oils or these other, they call, I know people say woo-woo <laughs> practices. Yeah. And a lot of people have self-doubt about starting this. So I guess, what would you say to those that are feeling the self-doubt? Is there any words of wisdom from your experience? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is welcome to humaning. It's so normal and I think sometimes we add to the intensity of the doubt by being hard on ourselves or making ourselves wrong for it. And I want to make an important distinction as we start this conversation that the self-doubt is both personal and unique to our own history and experience, and it's also collective and community, because there is a lot of doubt in humanity in general, but specific to us as helpers and healers, there is, there's a collective consciousness, this idea that we have to get it right, that people are, are looking to us, that there are yes. this set of right laws and rules and guidelines, which are so necessary and so meaningful. Uh, and I think sometimes we take them to an extent and we begin to misuse them. Or, or use them against ourselves and against the against our clients, like in a way that is not actually helpful or expansive 
to being able to support them in a way that they need us to be supportive. So when we put ourselves in this box and we keep ourselves like, I'm not allowed to step out of this box, we really limit our capacity to help and to heal and to serve in the ways that we're actually meant to. Yeah, it is limiting, isn't it? Very. And I think that if we don't have a relationship with our self-doubt, we can continue making choices and buy into belief systems that are possibly personal, possibly collective, that, that drive us deeper and deeper into that box in a way that that's detrimental to our, our growth and, and transformation for us as practitioners, but also for those that we're supporting as well. Yeah, because I think it is very common, like you said, welcome to humanness. <laughs> I think about imposter syndrome too, because I think that creeps up for everybody, even those of us who are more seasoned in the field and it can be difficult to overcome at times. Absolutely. I think one question that we are either consciously or unconsciously always asking ourselves, I think it's like the the primary wound of humanity is, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? And that can come up over and over again, especially when we're creating something of our own. So if we're in private practice, or even if we're working within a system and trying to do something more that's not mainstream, you know, and I find it quite interesting. And I'm really happy that it's coming to light more and more that, you know, very ancient healing wisdom and techniques have been buried and, and now are returning and being called new age. You know, there's really nothing new about many of the holistic approaches that some of us are called to take. It's really in our bones to use things like sight and sound and, and smell for healing. But it has been buried as Western medicine has become the primary value yes, so resource. True. And I feel really strongly about us giving ourselves permission to be honest about the healing value of things beyond what has just more recently in the last 30 to 50 years been deemed best. But it seems like there has been more of a shift to allow some more of these holistic strategies in society. Like I know mindfulness made a big upswing and became more popular. And I think you're hearing more about it and meditation a little bit, but it's, I think it's a slow journey. <laughs> for Absolutely. And I think, you know, the more research that's done, I think in our more patriarchal awareness, research is really highly valued. So the feminine would be more of that felt sense of knowing that something is helpful. Whereas the masculine is like, I need to yeah. research, I need to prove, I need evidence. And so we don't want to devalue either of those things. And so what I used to, I never took insurance in my practice. And one of the reasons was because I didn't want a third party to be telling me what was actually helpful to my clients. And I started saying, you know, what's helpful? I don't care what's been researched or validated outside of this room. I'm watching transformation happen with the things that I'm called to do. And that is between me and the human in my office. And that's what I'm interested in. So those doubts can really come up when we are outsourcing our wisdom and our knowing to someone that isn't in the experience with us. And we have to be really careful about that. Like, where is this doubt coming from? What's informing it? And 
what's actually true and real and, and what am I seeing and experiencing in this work with my clients? I think you brought up a good point too, is some of the treatments we may do, does it work? Is it effective from what we've seen? Have yeah. you seen the transformations? I think those are great questions to really think about. I know with some of the holistic things I've tried, I've seen amazing results from my trauma-informed yoga and breath work and real transformations sometimes in just one session that they're able to get to that different place of peace. And I've seen it work. I don't need 25 research studies. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly, exactly. Not to downplay it. We need research, but. Absolutely. It's not either or, but what's been downplayed yeah, is like exactly. not being able to use some of these holistic, ancient, you know, wisdom and techniques uh, because it's lacking research versus yes. like, I'm yeah. doing a research study every day. I'm using this with my clients That's and true too. they're changing, they're transforming, they're getting relief from their symptoms. And so we take our power back as practitioners when we allow that to be enough, when we really... Mm -hmm get into the room with our clients or these days get into the uh, virtual room with our clients and really see and listen to what's happening. Yeah. To really take that time and reflect on it and to be able, I know you said the first step of self-doubt was really, where's it coming from to really look at that. And so what do you think the next step would be after that? And then it's like, how do we meet those parts of us that are doubting? Because when the doubtful parts of us are, we leave them in charge. The only thing they know how to do is usually to not do the thing that they're doubtful about. So either they literally keep us from doing the thing, like maybe we don't market or we don't do something with a client that we feel called to do because we're doubting its effectiveness or doubting our capacity to facilitate it. But when we, I call it supervising these parts of us, when we say, I see you in your doubt, and I'm right here while you're doubting. And I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to do this thing. And of course, you know, we want to be mindful of the risks. And, you know, I think this is really just the difference between doing something irresponsibly versus doing something that we're afraid to do because it's not the thing everybody else is doing, but we're really blazing a trail. And I think the more people that we talk to, see, I have a you know, global practice, mentoring therapists and healers of all kinds all over the world. And what all of you are saying to me behind the scenes is that you're using these holistic modalities and they're working, but then you're not talking to each other all the time. So I know that's it. You think we think we're the only ones doing the <laughs> secret thing, like yoga, your trauma informed yoga with our clients or energy medicine or energy psychology or using our intuition or, or God forbid, like putting our hands on a, on another human being, like in a healing <laughs> way. But then I'm here to say that a lot of us are doing it. We're just not talking about it with each that's other it. all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that was one of the reasons I started this podcast too, is to create that holistic counseling community so we can speak to each other and talk to each other and have that support. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we're talking about identifying that there is self-doubt and what are those doubts and beliefs? And then what does that part of you need from you? How can you say, I see you, I'm here with you. And how can you hold and love on that part of you while you're still doing the thing that you feel called to do and trusting that wisdom? And the next is like watching what happens when you do that. How does it go? What kind of feedback and reflections are you getting from your clients? What kind of relief and results are, are happening? 
And then you rinse and repeat. And the thing about this is what I love about holistic counseling is it's not just about the techniques we use. It's also using what each moment calls for. So to me, holisticness in the work is also not having a cookie cutter approach to doing the same thing with every human, because even with the same symptoms or the same diagnosis, not every person is going to benefit from the same exact course of treatment, which I think, I think it's very limiting if we look at it from the treatment plan, like, yes, generally speaking, this, that, and the other thing may be effective, but we also need to meet the moment and the client and customize our approach in a way that is unique to the being sitting in front of us. And I think that is, that can't be emphasized enough with clients because I've noticed too, that really I, I teach lots of different ways to like, for example, breath work to breathe, um, to calm yourself. Cause I, I feel like you can't just teach one because it may not work for them. We have to find all different strategies. And again, you mentioned intuition. That's not talked about in counseling, is it? Very much. It not, well, it wasn't talked about in my training. My and training, maybe because I'm older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely wasn't talked about in mine. No, um, I know. And, you know, I can tell you that when I do webinars and trainings for yes. therapists on intuition, they're typically my most highly attended experiences. And I think the feedback oh, I get I is that people are relieved that they can trust their own, they can trust their wisdom and they can trust in something beyond the physical. And there are ways to cultivate that skill in a way that is reliable. Our intuition never lies. However, sometimes we think we're tapped into intuition when we're actually tapped into our ego. And that's part of my teaching is how do we differentiate between our intuition and ego in a meaningful way so that we become a reliable source of using this as a meaningful tool, both us using it, but also helping our clients to trust their own knowing and their own, their own intuition as well. Yeah. And I think just asking yourself sometimes those questions and just seeing what kind of response you get in your body. Cause of course I'm always coming from the somatic <laughs> perspective mm-hmm. too, but I think that can, you know, be dialed into the divine or the higher power, whatever you believe to say, you know, what does that client need and getting the intuition on that and really going forward with that. And you might be surprised on the information you do get. Definitely. And then we have to, it comes back into that relationship with our self-doubt because sometimes if we are willing to be present in the moment and to listen to what is required, sometimes the thing we feel called to say or the approach we feel inclined to take may seem really out of the box and it might True. feel scary mm-hmm. to introduce it. And so I know sometimes I find myself saying, you know, this may sound a little out there, but I'm, I'm keep seeing a red truck. Like I just, am going to put it into the space. I'm totally willing to be wrong or off, but it keeps coming up. And like, I have no idea what that is, but it's really not my business about what it is. I just invite it into the space and name it and then see if it has any meaning for the client and trust in the process. You know, I think holistic counseling takes the trust in the process to a whole new level because we stop controlling and manipulating the process and we start honoring it in a way that is more expansive. 
So trusting yourself through all of this is what's going to get you through too and help you transform. Definitely. And I love that our work is called a practice. And that's because it's really just in a lot of ways, a big exploration and a big experiment. So we try this, we try that. And over time, I think we can develop more and more trust with ourselves because sometimes it's just going to feel scary for a while until we do it. And we have examples over and over again that it works and that we we don't die when we do a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't die. I love it. Our nervous system is like, oh my I God, know. keep me alive. This is scary. Yeah. Am I going to get that, in trouble? That good old CBT was the worst thing that could happen, right? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because I think we do play things up in our minds sometimes too. And because it, I mean, it is intimidating. I, I will say that when you first start with something new, like I, you know, went through the yoga training and to actually teach someone else at first, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> But you got to be then you got to dive into that discomfort and just be with it and keep going. Yes, absolutely. All the magic happens outside of our comfort zone typically. So, you know, I'm not here to say that this is easy. No, that's Um, it. That's it too. Yeah. Yeah. It does take some courage to gather up too to do something new. Definitely. And as you speak of courage, Chris, I'm reminded like who's on your support team, right? Do you have a mentor or a supervisor who honors this, this way of being? And if not, could you get somebody on your team? I know when I was uh, in practice, I had a lot of supervisees that were officially being supervised at their work by someone, but they weren't getting the quality of supervision they wanted. It, It wasn't honoring the holistic nature that they wanted to work from. And so they would hire me to support them and honoring the growth of that part of them being having permission to come online. So be mindful of who you have in your space. Like if you could be doubting yourself because everybody around you is in a very small uh, frame of mind and they're not living from a very expansive perspective. So pay attention to who you're talking to, who you're spending time with, and can you give yourself permission to find peers and mentorship and consultation that is more honoring of your growth rather than trying to keep you in a box? Um, Because a lot, part of the reason I retired from practice and, and chose to expand in this way was because I felt, I felt the collective consciousness was very fear-based and very scarcity inducing in the world of mental health in particular. And I needed to get outside of that system in order to help people to see a more abundant perspective, both financially and entrepreneurially, but also clinically and practice-wise as well. Absolutely. So true. You know, I was told you before, I was looking at your new website, which I love. You've redone all of them. And I just had to say one quote from that. You said, birthing our work in the world can feel terrifying and exhilarating. So that really stood out for me because I never thought of it as like birth process, but it really Mm -hmm. is, isn't it? Like doing my podcast, doing a new podcast, it's totally like birthing and so scary. And all those self-doubt questions come up, came up for me. And then of course, exhilarating because it's exciting too. And we have something new. And I know you work with healers too. I love how you call it mentoring as well. Can you share how you help other therapists through mentoring? Absolutely. Well, first I'll use that quote to meet up. I love that quote. (laughs) 
I'm so glad. Sometimes I just, I forget, I forgot what I wrote there. A lot of what I write is channeled. It's like, what do people need to hear to really heal themselves and and to not make themselves wrong for what they're experiencing in the process? Because I think we really have an aversion to intensity sometimes. And, you know, there's a lot of teaching now that's like, follow your bliss. And I'm here to tell you, this can absolutely be blissful in moments, but I love using the childbirth analogy for bringing our practices and our work to life because if we expected birth to be blissful all the time or we thought that (laughs) pain in the birth process was a sign of something going wrong, we'd really be mistaken. You know, like pain is also a symptom sometimes of something stretching and expanding to bring something new to life. And so as a new version of ourselves is coming online, it's not always very comfortable. It's we're outgrowing our old self and stepping into our new self. And that's uncomfortable a lot of the time. So my work with healers is really around how do we hold that tension between who we've been and who we're becoming? And I work with healers on that process of becoming who they're meant to be. And sometimes that's very spiritual and energetic and intuitive and internal. And other times it's very practical and strategic and like creating the the real life structures and foundations that are necessary. But I find we can't do one without the other. A lot of times we want to build the foundation. We want to have our office and our business cards and our, you know, psychology today profile but we don't have the right fuel to actually make those things successful or to positively influence those in a way that is going to work. So I merged the energetic with the strategic so that you have the right fuel to actually be successful in whatever way that means for your practice. And you also have a a shadow card deck. I wasn't sure sure what it was. (laughs) Can you share on that? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a significant part of where my work is headed. I'm actually in the process of creating a training program for therapists to learn how to do shadow work. How exciting. With clients. Yes. So this was actually a really significant, I'm so glad you brought this up because this was really a significant stretch of mine to work holistically. So I kept, I went through this own, my own season of discomfort in 20, I think it was 14 and 15 way back when, but I just was so stuck in myself and I was having physical pain and emotional pain. And I just couldn't find anything physically going on. I was using all these resources. And finally in meditation one day, these 33 words revealed themselves to me. And I quickly got out a piece of paper and, and wrote them all down. And They've since become the messages from shadow oracle deck and healing system. And they're all, most of them are shadow energies. So things like shame, fear, grief, things that often are very painful for us to meet on our healing journey. And I was like, what do you want me to do with this spirit? Like what? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm a therapist. I'm not an Oracle card creator. I'm not a, an intuitive, like I'm not a psychic reader. What do you want me to do with this? And they said, yes, you are all of those things. And you're a therapist. And we, we want you to bring this in into a healing system and work with it with your clients. It's going to help you see what is unseen currently in the healing space. 
And so it took me nine months to birth it into a physical deck. And it's since also become an app on iTunes and Android, but it's a way of seeing the unseen. It's a way of finding what energy is present that we can't really put our finger on. I think we all know those moments in practice where we're like, God, there's something here that we just can't put our finger on. Like, what is that thing that's here that's not being talked about? And so I've been playing with it in my own practice and I've trained, probably I've taken about 20 to 50 therapists through this process of how to work with this in their own practices. And it's been an incredible resource of how we hold space in the dark, how we illuminate the things that are hiding, that are asking for our attention and really prioritizing for healing. That's so exciting for you too, huh? Thank you. It was, a real <laughs> it was a real relief, you know, to have this. Yeah. And to be looking at resources. And I would say to you, when you have something on your heart and you're doubting it, there's a reason why you are hearing what you're hearing, seeing what you're seeing, being called to facilitate what you're called to facilitate. And when we're so married to our identity of I'm this or I'm that or I'm not this or I'm not that, we can really limit what wants to come through us. And every time a therapist tells me that they successfully you know, were supported by these cards in a client session, or I just had somebody last week say there was a stuckness for weeks with a client and they pulled a card and then they were able to do some EMDR on the energy that revealed itself through the card. And the client had this huge breakthrough. And I'm That's like, so amazing how you can connect it to other modalities too. Absolutely. Sometimes it just shows us it just shines a light on what needs to be healed. And then you can use the other things that you know how to do in order to move that energy. And like, if I hadn't have said yes and moved through that doubt and fear, maybe that moment wouldn't have been possible. So like, we never know what us saying yes and moving through the doubt is going to mean for other people. And sometimes we, we can't do it for us because we're scared, but when we can imagine how it could support others, we find the courage to do the scary thing anyway. No, oh, thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. So what's a takeaway you could share today? Oh, that's a great. I know you have so many. <laughs> yeah. Let me just feel into what the listeners need to hear today. What I'm really hearing is trust yourself. I've said it, I said it earlier, but it's coming back around. Like notice where you're outsourcing your power by making somebody else more knowing than you and see how you can really reclaim that trust in yourself. And it's a practice and it's a process and we abandon ourselves and we come back. But that's really what's on my heart to say to you today is notice where you are abandoning your power by trusting somebody or something more than yourself and choosing over and over again to come back to that. And this doesn't mean that you don't have mentors or consultants or guides on the process, but make sure that the people that you're welcoming onto your path are really reflecting you back to yourself and the trust in you and your wisdom versus trying to be your guru or knowing more than you, because I think that's really detrimental on this, on this path of awakening and bringing ourselves more into the process. So have I missed anything else you wanted to share? I think that's, so I think that's a lot of it. I mean, we <laughs> can go in so many directions, but that's I know. Pretty, we have limited complete. time. <laughs> yeah, that feels pretty complete. I trust in what we've explored and 
people will take um, what they need. So what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? My website is a great hub, carrynola.com. And I have lots of episodes of my radio show and I'm not podcasting currently other than guesting on wonderful shows like this, but (laughs) podcast episodes and also a a free abundance challenge. If um, you're wanting to tune into your abundance is on there and yeah, there's a contact me. And also I love playing on Instagram at Carrie underscore Nola. If you want to tune into me there, I would love to meet you. And we'll have all this on the show notes as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being an advocate for holistic healing. Absolutely. So glad I can be here. And thank you so much for listening today. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.